You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Good morning. I am, honestly, I'm very excited to be here. Um, We don't get to Colorado very often in our life, and so this is an exciting thing for us to to get to do. We're we're kind of on a mid-country little visit. We're, We're headed, next Sunday I'll be in Montana preaching for... Um, a friend, and um, after that, we're, we're coming back through South Dakota. We have three young men that have recently graduated that are starting a church, um, three churches in, uh, in Rapid City area. So I'm excited to get to, to see them and to see their work. But I'm, I'm very, very excited to be here. This, this really is a special opportunity for us, and you probably don't realize the reputation, the 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 quality that your pastor and his wife have outside of your church. But um, they have been such a, a, a blessing to me and uh, to, to many, to people that know them. So you don't maybe realize what their reputation is, but it's outstanding. So I'm excited for you. I believe, yeah, I believe God is going to bless your church and uh, will continue to, to, to help. Um, they are gracious and kind and loving um, years ago, uh, I, I met Pastor Daryl, and uh, I don't even know how many years ago that was. I was pastoring them back then, so I, I, I was a pastor for 25 years before I came, became the president, and I used to teach in these little, little church planning pastor schools, and uh, I remember meeting you for, for two reasons. One is I had never met a person named Daryl. That's kind of a unique, unique. The other reason is you were going back to your home church. And that's what I had done with my life. After, after I graduated from BBC, I went back to my home church and, uh, and, and was able to love those folks and, and lead them for, for many years. And so it, just, it was special to me to, to hear your story and to know what, what's, going, what's going on here. Well, uh, as the, the president of Baptist Bible College, thank you for who you are and, and what you mean. Um, Recently, we, we started online program, and uh, I left some, some cards with, with the pastor. If you are interested in getting an advanced degree for whatever occupation you are in, we have degrees in Bible and in business, and, and I kind of lead the, the online degree in, in, in leadership, organizational leadership. If you'd like to get a master's degree in that, it'll help you no matter what you are doing. And we're adding business degrees and education degrees online. So, so consider that. It's a great opportunity. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's college. It's supposed to be. But it's such good, practical, rele- relevant stuff. And that's the, way, that's the way we wanted it. So let me, let me shift gears a little bit and just uh, kind, of, kind of commiserate with you and tell you our world is, is just weird today, isn't it? Um, we're, all, we're all ready to be over. We have been facing a microscopic enemy all of us and 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 we're trying to figure out what does life afterward kind of mean so so our our world from from politics to to health our, our minds our hearts are just it's just kind of crazy right now there are a lot of things that make the news that that just make you consider what what's going on in our world from the coronavirus to to politics, to I deal with colleges. I look at all the implications there. And did you know even hot dogs are in the news? 
I love, I love hot dogs. Do you like hot dogs? How many? You just the, you would rather have a good hot dog than yeah, yeah. So yeah. Did you know that the hot dogs made the news? In fact, let me let me congratulate you. America just produced a new world record last Sunday. On July 4th, there is the annual Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship. Did you know there was a new world record set last Sunday? It's so exciting. Have you ever seen that event? They used to show it on ESPN or something. These, these, it's the grossest thing ever. Joey Chestnut won his 14th mustard belt is what they call, call it. He ate 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It's disgusting. But it's fascinating. You can't help but watch it, right? You're just, you're just, I, I, I watched this story, this little documentary about these competitive eaters. <laughs> Some of them, they, they, they're like, it's like wrestling, I think. They, they have these cool nicknames. They're all introduced, given this, and they're, you know, and uh, it's funny. Uh, one was, one introduced himself in this documentary as a, as a faith-based competitive eater. It's like many of us, right? We're faith-based. He called himself the Billy Graham of ham. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. It just amazes me sometimes to see what some people live and die for. He's living his life to eat hot dogs. Recently, I saw um, a late night television program that was, uh, they had this guest on and he, he was obsessed with paper airplanes, just obsessed with it. He's dedicated years of his life to, to making paper airplanes. And he brought some examples with him and they were really cool. If that's what you want to do with your life. You know, have you ever watched someone or watched, watched a show or something and just, just thought, what, what are they thinking? What are they doing? And then realize, what am I doing? I'm watching them. It's just, we, we can laugh at people. But today I want to ask you the question. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do with your life? What are you spending the life that God has given to you doing? Well, what are you investing your life with? Have you ever looked at your life and just asked, what am I doing? What, what am I accomplishing with my life? What, why am I doing what I'm doing? In just a couple of weeks, the Olympics are going to be on. They're going to be all over the news, and they're going to show every channel, you know. And I, I love watching sports. I love watching the Olympics. 
During the last Olympics, I was home in the middle of an afternoon, and I thought, I'm going to turn the Olympics on. Surely there's something going on. Well, it was the middle of the afternoon. The only thing that I could find on was the trampoline competition. Did you know we have a trampoline competition in the Olympics? I didn't know that. Of course, we're, we're close to where they probably train in Colorado Springs or something. I don't know. I, I didn't know we had a trampoline competition, and I thought, well, I'm not going to watch the trampoline competition. And I, and I started, I literally started to click off, and then the announcer said, coming up, the American was like, oh, yeah. Let's go, USA. I, I, so I, I thought, okay, okay. So I, I waited, and I watched, and you know what? I learned this. We are not good at the trampoline competition. We are good at basketball. Well, they got beat yesterday by, what, who'd they get beat by? Nigeria? What is going on with that? We're, we're good at track and field. We're good at swimming. We're good, you know, we're good at a lot of things, but we are not good at the trampoline. So, but I waited and I watched. I watched. I waited for the American guy. So I, I, here he comes. So I start watching our guy. Come, you know, come on. Here, here you go. Here you go. Show the world, right? So I watched the trampoline competition. This is, they bounce way. These huge trampolines, this guy's bouncing 20, 30, I don't know, feet up in the air. I watched our guy go up and up and up. And then I watched our guy come down and miss the trampoline. How, how does that happen, right? I, 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 he was awful. Our guy. I watched. They interviewed him. I'm just mesmerized. And he's like... What happened out there? Well, he said, this is, I had to go back and look up his words. This is exactly what he said. Twelve years of training, gone in 20 seconds. I was telling myself to go big. It's the Olympics. If you're going to go big, this is the time. But he said something that just grabbed my attention. You hear what he said? Twelve years. He had invested twelve years of his life to jumping on a trampoline. Right? And I started thinking about this poor, pathetic, trampoline-bouncing man doing what my kids could do out in the backyard. It's just amazing what we sometimes find ourselves investing our life in. And we have to stop sometimes and just ask, what am I doing? What, what am I spending my life on? What am I doing with the life that I have? So today I want us to look into the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is answering a question. You probably may be familiar with the story behind 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, a couple of acquaintances of his, he helped them start a church in the city of Corinth. That church has trouble. 
there's some problems there. There's some good things, but there's some problems. And so they write to the Apostle Paul, and they said, we got some problems here. What do we do? And so Paul writes back to them and says, this is what you need to do. That's the letter of 1 Corinthians. A while later, they write back to Paul, and they say, Paul, it, it's going good, it's better, but let me say this, Paul, we need you. Would you come? And Paul writes back to them the letter of 2 Corinthians. I want you to notice what he says because in this, in this chapter here, Paul tells them, this is why I do what I do. They said, Paul, you need to come back and help us. And Paul says, I can't. I am about what God has called me to do with my life. I can't come back to you. This is why I do what I do. I want you to understand that. So today, this is all that I want you to ask is why am I doing what I do with my life? What am I doing with my life that's going to make a difference in this world? The first thing Paul says, why do we do what we do, is number one is because God wants us to. And that's a simple thing to say. Why do I do what I do? Paul says, because this is what God wants me to be doing with my life. Notice verse 9, 2 Corinthians 5.9 says this, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So, so Paul is saying, whether present or absent, Paul is saying this, whether I am with you or whether I am someplace else, I am going to be doing what God calls me to do. He says, I need to be doing what is acceptable with my life before God. That's an important phrase there. Whether present or absent, I need to be doing what is acceptable with my life before God. Which, which makes us ask the question, which should ask the question, there is a way to live my life that is acceptable to God. You know what that means? There's also a way to live your life that is not acceptable. Paul says, I, I want to live so that, so that my life is acceptable before God, a way that pleases and a way that honors God. Paul says, I, I want to live so that my life is accepted by God, God Almighty. Can, can you ask yourself that question today? Why do I do what I do? What am I doing with, with my life? Why do you spend your life the way that you do? He, he, this, is, this is something that drives me. I love being a pastor. It's who God built me to be. I stepped down to become the president of this college. It was hard for me. The hardest decision I've ever made in my life was to not be a pastor and to go serve at this college. Be, be, because that's who I am. I have one shot with my life, and what finally convinced me to do this was this. At my church, we were just growing like crazy, and I was so excited about it. And I knew that if I stayed there, we could reach thousands of people. But by going to the college and pouring my life into young men and young women, we could reach millions for Christ. We, we got one shot with our life. One shot. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with your life? You get one shot at this. Why do we do what we do? Is because this is what God wants me to be doing with my life. Is that the answer that you can say today? Am I doing what you know God wants me to be doing? 
The, the second thing Paul says is this. Why do we do what we do? Because what we do will last. This is a pretty powerful thought here. What you are doing in your life now will last. It will make a difference. Verse 10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 9 talks about what we are doing, the work we are doing, and then verse 10 tells us why. Why do we need to be doing the right thing with our life? Because it's going to last forever. Whatever we're doing is going to last forever. Whether good or bad, this verse says. Paul says, if I'm not doing the right things before God, then even my bad things are going to last forever. So I, I need to be doing what's good. Now, Paul is giving us a little bit of theology here. He said, one day, as a believer, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is different. Unbelievers will stand before the great white throne. But believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. A time when, uh, as a believer, you will come and you will stand before Jesus Christ. And you will give an account for your life. Did you know that? Paul's saying, one day you're going to stand before Christ and you're going to have to give an account for your life. Just can, can, I don't even know if you can... We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to answer for how we lived our life. We're going to answer for, for what we did with our time. We're going to answer. We're going to answer for our sin. We're going to answer for what we have said. We're going to answer for what we've given. Someday you're going to stand before Christ and he's going to say, what did you do with your life? What are you going to say? What did you do with your life? Me? I ate a lot of hot dogs. Right? Me? I made a lot of paper airplanes. That's what I did with my life. Me? I spent 12 years jumping on a trampoline. What did you do with your life? Some of you are going to say, Oh, Jesus, I worship you. I serve you. I told my family all about you. I told my neighborhood all about you. I, I served at my, my, my church. I, I served the, the kids at Belmar. I, 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 I sang for you. I greeted people in your name. I, I, I fixed those facilities. I, I served. I did whatever I could. I gave. I, I helped. I, I served. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm giving my life because one day I have to give an answer for what I do with my life. This is why we do what we do. I helped other people go to other countries. I went to other countries. I sacrificed. What will you say? What will you do on that day? We do what we do because God wants us to. We do what we do because it will last. And number three, we do what we do because eternity is real. Verse 11. 
It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul says, we work to persuade people to trust in Christ. We, we, we work to tell people about who Christ is because heaven and hell are real. The Apostle Paul was broken by that thought. People are going to hell. It's real and I have to get out and tell them. Well, We, we can live our life and just kind of not go there because it's uncomfortable. We, we can just decide, I just don't want to talk about it. We, we often live like heaven and hell don't exist. Every day we walk by people or people walk by us. They're headed someplace. Well, when is the last time you were moved? When's the last time your heart was really just heavy? When, when you're... When you, when you're when your emotions were stirred because someone that you knew, someone that you loved, is not headed to heaven with you. Can, 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 you, can you let God speak to your heart for a moment here and, and just, just help you understand that heaven and hell are real? This is not a popular topic in modern theology. There, there's such a growing movement that hell is not real. That, that in the end, we all, you know, come to... Jesus Christ himself says more about a burning hell than anybody else in the Bible. Jesus talks about that. He teaches us. And the Apostle Paul couldn't stand the thought of people going to hell. And would to God that we remember why we exist. And can, can, I, can I tell you this? As, a, as an experienced pastor, I love coming to visit churches. I, 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 love, I come in and I see what kind of announcements you have going on. I see all the, all the activities you have going on. I, I, I know all about how churches operate. I know the ins and outs. I know the details. I understand all of that. But I know this. The whole reason, the entire reason that you have youth camps and that you have a youth program and a kids program and women's events and men's events. Do you know why you do all of that? Is so that we can help people grow towards Christ so they can live in such a way that they would tell other people about Jesus. And if you are not, if any time your church is doing activities that do not lead to that, you don't need to be doing them. So many churches are so overblown with stuff, stuff, that they've forgotten why they exist. Eternity is real. Can I tell you, this is why Baptist Bible College exists. The bottom line, this is the most important point that I have for, for all of us today. The bottom line reason that we exist is to help young men and young women prepare their life to go out into the world, the entire world, and Tell people about Jesus. Whether, whether you're going into a local church ministry or to, to a mission field or into business or into a, a school as a teacher, you're prepared. You're, you're taught about the Bible. You're taught about theology. And you're, you're, you're challenged in such a way to do ministry so that you make a difference with your life in this world, no matter what you're doing as a vocation. That's why we exist. That's why this church exists. 
Now, why do you exist? Is that what I think about? Do I, do, I, do I realize, do I understand that eternity is real? Your church exists because heaven and hell are real. And together, we need to train more. We need to send more so that we can reach more. That's why we work this thing together. So why do we do what we do? The fourth reason is this. Because Christ deserves it. Christ deserves it. Verses 14 and 15. We're walking through this chapter. Verses 14 and 15, Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth or compels. That's what, the, what that word means. Compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And Paul Paul often does this. He starts talking about what Jesus has done and he just kind of goes off on it a little bit. Paul, Paul gets overwhelmed with the fact that, you know what happened to my life? I, I hated you people. I hated Christians. I persecuted them. I threw them in jail. And then Jesus came to me. And Jesus saved my life. And I, how can I not serve him with my life after what he did for me? His love was so great in loving me that I am compelled to love him. Are, are, are you appreciative of what Christ has done? The Apostle Paul is saying that's, that's all you need to do is understand. And when you understand his love, it will change how you live. It will change what you do with your life. Just a simple reminder here. Paul says it's just a simple reminder. We get to go to heaven because Jesus Christ lived and died for us. He took, he took all of our pain at the cross. He took all of, of our shame. He took all of our guilt. He took all of our punishment. He took all of that. He took our nails. He shed his blood and he gave his life all for us. Why do we give our life? Because he gave his. He gave his life for us. He loved us so much, he gave his life for us, and we could never, ever do enough. We could, we could never, ever serve enough. We could never even love enough to deserve what Christ has done for us. So the love of Christ constrains or compels us to do what we do. Why do we do what we do? The fifth reason is this, because Jesus Christ deserves it. The fifth reason is this, because lives can be made new. Because lives can be made new. You know this verse maybe. It's a familiar verse, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You probably have heard this verse, but now I hope you understand why it was written and the context in which it was written. Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. New. This is such a great reminder that there is hope for anyone. I don't know your story. I don't even know who might be new here who's been here for a while, I, I don't know. But no matter, you, you all need to understand, no matter what you have done, no matter where you have come from, no, no matter how you have lived, no matter the depth of your sin, and there's a lot of people in churches that have hidden that, 
You can be brand new right now. You can be brand new today. You can start a brand new life right now. So, so all of those people that are around you, all the people in your home, all the people that in your neighborhood, you work, they can be brand new. No matter what has gone on in your life, no matter how bad you think you have messed up, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Jesus died to pay for the sin of the world, and by believing on him, your life can be clean instantly. So why do you do what you do? The last reason is this. The sixth reason that Paul says is because it's up to us. It's all up to us. Paul says, you know why we do what we do? is because we have a job to do. We have to do something with our life. Paul says the job of, the reach, of, of reaching this world, I want you to notice how he writes this. This convicts me. Verse 18 through 21, let me, let me read these verses to you. And as I read these verses, I want you to see for yourself who the job of reaching the world has been given to. See if you can see. Verse 18 says, All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ and be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God has called us to be his ambassadors. God has called us to take this message out into the world. It is up to us to be his witnesses. So what are you doing with your life? How are you spending the life that God has given to you? It's been a privilege of my life to meet people like, like Daryl and Penny. Others that, that they give their life to go to places where they've never been, to meet people they've never met with a message that will change their life for all of eternity. There are people that are giving their lives to go to countries all around the world, to, to go to cities. They, they pack up and leave their family and friends to reach people. And that's because they know that God has a plan for their life, a plan to go. And today, I hope you've seen that God has a plan that involves you, it involves me. And you may think, okay, what's plan B? Because that's just not really me, right? Here's the deal with God. God's plans are always right. He doesn't have backup plans. Plan A is always right with God. God has no plan B. Plan A is for you and for me to give our lives and live in such a way so that we make a difference for him in our world for all of eternity. That's God's plan. You, 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 
need to look at your life and ask this question. Let me ask you this. How is the world going to be any different because of you? What are you doing with your life that will last? What are you doing with your life that will make a difference? Several years ago, I was asked by a local funeral home. They called me and said, would you do the funeral for a lady, an elderly lady that's passed away? She has no church. Her family has no church. And they just asked me to find someone. Would you do the service? I said, sure. And I asked to meet with the family. I always like to meet with the family, and I just get a lot of personal information so that I can serve them and help them. And so, so we had a time where I met with, with a couple of sons and a daughter in this conference room at a funeral home. And I started asking them questions. I had my notepad. I started writing down, where was she born? Where did she grow up? What was her family like? When, when did she move to this area? What, what, what do you remember about your home growing up? And I, Just all kind of questions. Tell me about her husband. Where did they meet? When did they marry? Tell me about the kids. Tell me about a, all kind of questions so I could get a sense of who this lady was so that I could serve her. And I asked this question. I'll never forget this. Are there any accomplishments... Is there anything that she was known for that I could mention? Anything special that she has done? Any accomplishments that, that might be worthy of mentioning? Her kids just kind of looked at each other. Oh, no, no, no. There's got to be something here. Everybody's done something, right? Anything, did she, was she a part of something? Did she do? I had to push and push and push. Finally, one of them said, yeah. one year, she was the president of the bingo club. And all the rest of the family was like, oh, yeah, oh, that was a busy year. Oh. So I wrote down, president of the bingo club. So I did the funeral for the president. I did the gravesite ceremony for the president of the bingo club. It just began to make me mad. And it really worked on my spirit. And I, I just, I remember driving from that gravesite back to my office and just pounding the steering wheel and saying, go, God. Please help me when it is my time to have done something that makes a difference in this world. Why do you do what you do? What are you doing with your life? I met with Several people that have gone down a path and, and they've been on a career. This is what they thought they wanted all along, only to find out, I hate it. 
and for them to decide, I'm going to give my life to God. To make the most difference possible with my life. Today, I just want you to look inside and ask, why am I doing what I'm doing with my life? Would you bow your head with me? As you, as you just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment, can I, can I just ask you to think about that as we begin to talk to God about this? Right, right there, right, right where you're seated. I, I encourage you to make sure that you know Him. Maybe you've had questions and maybe you thought you have in the past, but, but, but today, would you just look deep within? We just read that in a moment, you can be a new creation. And by believing in Jesus Christ, you can be brand new. No matter what is going on in your life, in your heart, in your home, you can be brand new today. Your past washed away. But maybe you are here. Maybe you, you have trusted Christ. You trusted Him a long time ago, but you are looking at your life maybe even right now after hearing what we've looked at today and just struggling with, what am, I, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? How am I spending the life that I have? And You know, maybe, maybe God wants you to be serving in a ministry someplace. Maybe God wants you to be in a foreign country someplace. But maybe He wants you to serve right here. Maybe it's just time that you made a difference in your neighborhood, at your work. Maybe, maybe you, you know that the youth group needs something. Maybe you know that the kids need something. Maybe you know this church needs a, a worker here or there. Maybe it's just today you decide, I am going to use my life to serve, to make a difference, however that means. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, just I'm going to pray for you. Nobody's looking around, but, but maybe today, would you say, Mark, would you, just, just, would, you, would you pray for me today? This is heavy on my heart. Would you just slip your hand up? You say, Mark, that's, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, today, we've faced seeing your word very boldly. Honestly, God, it's even... It's always convicting even to me. And I, I pray today for, for hearts and minds that they would be drawn to you in such a way so that they would fully, 100% give their life. Maybe, maybe for the first time realizing that they need you. But Lord, I am sure there are people that have known you for a long time, but maybe they have just realized I have been living the way I could be. And maybe today we realize I'm going to live all out for what Jesus has done in my life. Bless them. Bless those that are seeking to have their life led and blessed by you. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for giving your life for us. And now may we live for you. In Jesus' name I pray.